Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning. Am I on? Can you hear me? Great. Well, this morning we're continuing our series looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And hopefully that sets some good foundations for us to continue this series and to look at questions like, what does the Holy Spirit actually do? And today we're going to be looking together at one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is to shape us more into the image of God. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, the role of the Spirit to shape us more into the image of God. And we're going to be looking together at a classic passage of the Bible that some of you may have heard or read many times, and still there will be people in the room that have never heard this passage before. But if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 13. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, as always, it will be on the screens behind me. So we're in Galatians 5, starting at verse 13. It says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and fractions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. 
So this passage that we're looking at this morning, it talks of a battle. A battle between what is described as the desires of the flesh, or in other words, the temptations to do sinful things, to do things that aren't good, and the desires of the spirit. And Paul starts by looking at the desires of the flesh, the things that we might call the bad fruits. In other words, the results of giving in to our sinful nature. And these are the things that are not the fruit, the result of God's presence in our lives. In fact, they are the fruit, the result, the consequence of living a self-centered life. A life that lacks the presence of God. A life that looks inwards, that looks at me only. Whenever we're doing these things, the Bible says that God is not involved in the slightest. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, division, envy, uh, drunkenness, wild parties, and other things like this. Paul says, let me tell you again, anyone living this kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God in their life and through their life. And then Paul contrasts these things. The things that we might think of as the bad fruits are then contrasted with what are called the fruit of the spirit. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the good fruits, which Paul states are the result of having the Holy Spirit living in us. They are the result, these things, according to Paul, are the result of the Spirit of Jesus living in us us. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize that these good fruits are clear descriptions of the person of Jesus. And of course, we'd expect that, wouldn't we? If the spirit of, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, you'd expect the outworkings of the Holy Spirit in our lives to reflect Jesus. If Jesus is these things, if he is love, if he's epitomized by joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then it makes sense, doesn't it, that having the spirit of Jesus living amongst us would help shape us to live out these traits in a greater way. What's interesting to me, um, hopefully interesting to you as well, is that Paul doesn't talk about the fruits of the Spirit in a plural way. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, singular. And when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and reflect on our own lives, whether we're producing these good fruit, 
it's helpful for us to recognise that Paul is not talking about a list of unlinked personality traits that make you a nice person. Instead, the fruit of the spirit is what's called a concatenation. Who knows that word? Concatenation. And no, well, get ready to throw it out in your everyday conversations. It means a series of interconnected things. Concatenation. And I think that's really helpful to recognise as we look at the fruit of the spirit, that they are these interconnected things. Because some of the fruit, you may think, are a description of a personality type. For example, gentleness, right? When I say the word gentleness, your mind might automatically go to a very sweet person, a quiet personality. You might have a specific person in your mind who you think of as gentle, a quiet, softly spoken person. And that's their personality, It might be a result of them being quiet or being an introvert. But as we grow in the fruit of the spirit, each fruit is grown together. It's concatenated. It's it's linked with each other fruit. So the gentleness that you may grow in is linked with and complementary to your faithfulness, which requires great courage. So it's not simply about uh, these different things growing as individual traits, but instead these interconnected fruit that grow in our lives. It isn't a list of characteristics, but instead, rather than being a list of characteristics, it's all about us moving towards one goal. The fruit of the spirit is all about moving towards one goal. And the goal is being like Jesus. And who is Jesus? Jesus is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's like me saying, indulge me for a moment. It's like me saying that I am going to give you the spirit of Lionel Messi. And the fruit of the spirit in you will be dribbling, shooting, passing, vision, etc. All the things that he's brilliant at. And in this case, the specific traits are simply a byproduct of being more like Lionel Messi. They work together in concatenation to create the skill and the ability of Messi. But if you only had one of these things, if I said I'm putting in you the spirit of Lionel Messi and you only received one of these things, say you only received the vision... You received the vision, but your passing was still rubbish. You wouldn't be reflecting messy. You'd just be someone with good awareness and good vision. 
The fruit of the Spirit is simply the Holy Spirit growing us in reflecting the person of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is simply the Holy Spirit growing us to reflect the person of Jesus. The named fruit are just a reminder of what that might look like. These named fruits that we see in Galatians 5 are simply a reminder of what it looks like to reflect the person of Jesus. A list of concatenated, interlinked traits that create who Jesus is. A list of concatenated, interlinked traits that create who Jesus is. So one helpful thing to start off with in thinking about the fruit of the Spirit is to get your mind off just thinking about these individual traits, but instead in what does it look like to reflect Jesus in my life? But it is helpful that it names some of these things. It's helpful that it names the fruit of the Spirit. It's helpful that it names what it looks like to reflect Jesus because it means we can reflect on our own lives by looking at these traits. We can ask the questions of ourselves, am I growing in these things? Not am I perfect at these things, because obviously, clearly, none of us would be able to answer yes to that question, but is there movement in these areas? Is the trajectory towards Jesus. When I look at these traits, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When I look at those traits and reflect on my life, do I see a constant improvement as I become more like Jesus? I'm going to just give you a moment to pause and ask yourself and reflect on that question. Just 30 seconds. There are three possible responses to to that question. There are three possible responses that you can have. Firstly, a resounding yes. You may be thinking, yes, I am growing amazingly in all of those traits. I'm growing in each area. The second option is, I think I'm growing in these areas, but... It's a slower process than maybe I'd like. I think I'm growing to become more like Jesus, but it feels like a slower process than I'd have thought it may be. Or thirdly, the third possible response is, no, I don't think I am growing in these fruits. I don't think I am becoming more loving, joyful, 
patient. All of these fruit. The good news for us is that these are, in fact, the fruit of the Spirit living in us. They are the result of the Spirit, and they therefore grow organically in us. It is something that the Spirit does in and through us. I think sometimes we hear about something like this. We hear about certain traits that it may look like to uh, have the fruit to reflect Jesus in our lives. And we can find ourselves really trying hard to force ourselves to do it. We can say to ourselves, right, today is the day where I am going to perfectly reflect these things. And we try really hard to be these things. So when someone says something that winds us up, we clinch our fists and force ourselves not to respond and instead to be gentle, kind and loving. And then we're having a rubbish day because we've received some bad news or we're frustrated at work or we're feeling lonely, but we force ourselves to be joyful. So we smile. We talk in a sweet voice. We fake joyfulness. Now hear me right, it's a good thing for us to try to be good to those around us. It's a good thing for us to try to grow in how we respond to people around us. But the results from us just trying to, on our own, force this change from trying really hard, tend to be temporary. Or at least they tend to lead us to being a nicer person on the outside, but never dealing with our anger or our loneliness or our selfishness on the inside. And when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're not simply talking about this external car wash of our lives. We've had a couple of car washing analogies in the Clean Me series, and I'm going to add mine to the mix. Um, If anyone's seen my Polo, the car that I drive, or if you've been in it, I'm sorry, you know that it is a complete state. And there are many reasons that my Polo is a complete state. One of the main reasons is every Saturday after I play football, my football bag with my boots and my jacket and my dirty shin pads go in the bag zipped up and dumped in the car because I don't know where else to put it so the car stinks of dirty shin pads but that's not the only problem with the car the other problem is six years ago the car got broken into and the thieves they smashed the back window and they stole the contents of my boot, which at the time was literally one jumper. And they decided they didn't like my jumper and threw it um, in the bushes nearby, so I was a little bit offended. But after the event, I called a company to come and refit the glass in the back window. And after a few weeks, I realised that they didn't fit it properly. 
And every time it rained, the rain would go straight through the back window and into the boot. Now, being a student and being slightly lazy, I thought, well, I can't be bothered to sort this now. I'm going to sort it at some point in the future. And six years later, I still have this leaky back window that makes the boot very damp every time it rains. Now, every so often, I look at my car and I'm like, I cannot take the embarrassment of this anymore. I need to do a proper clean of this car. It doesn't happen very often. But when it does, I do a proper clean of the car. And finally, I no longer feel embarrassed to give anyone lifts. Finally, I can go in there without having to hold my nose. Finally, I'm okay in that space. However, as soon as it starts to rain, the boot gets wet. The mould returns, and so does the smell of a damp car. And as soon as that happens, as soon as that mould returns and the damp smell returns, I give up. What's the point in trying to keep a dirty car clean? I give up. I say, well, it's starting to get dirty now. So there's no point in even trying. My football bag goes back into the car and the car goes back into being smelly. I try to keep it clean, but when the rain comes, when things start to get difficult and I cannot keep this up, I cannot keep it clean, then I start to give up. And often this is what it looks like when we try to force ourselves to grow in the fruit or to become more like Jesus. We decide, right, I'm going to sort myself out. So we do a clean up of our lives. We try really hard for a certain amount of time uh, to keep in how we respond to other people and to keep ourselves looking like Jesus. But eventually the rain comes. And when the rain comes or we start to feel down or we get annoyed, we begin to see our pent-up frustration return like mould in our character. We start to see, we start to see these things that we'd held inside come out. And when we see that, the cycle starts again. This is why Paul says, for what I want to do, I do not do. And what I do, I hate. So if we can't grow in the fruit simply by clenching our fists and trying really hard, how do we grow in fruit? Well, the Bible says that we can't do it ourselves. We won't do it ourselves, but it also says we don't need to do it ourselves. Let's look at Jesus's words about this in John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. 
remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Firstly, I just want to side note that it says that you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. What we're talking about today is about what it looks like to reflect Jesus. We're not talking about uh, salvation here or a measure of whether or not you have a relationship with God. We're not talking about righteousness. We're talking about reflecting the person of Jesus in our lives. If you've accepted Jesus, then you've been made clean by him. But there's a clear indication in this passage as to how we produce good fruit in our lives, how we can reflect Jesus. We produce fruit, according to this passage, by remaining in him. Or in another version, it says, abide in me. In fact, in this passage, Jesus says, abide in me so many times that you can't really read the passage without those phrases. Jesus says the best way for you to grow, the best way for you to really grow is proximity and intimacy with me. One preacher said it's as as simple as abiding in God and as difficult as detaching from all else. When I first moved to Whitstable um, almost five years ago, I lived in a flat in Tankerton that was literally a two-minute walk from the beach, and it was lush. And I was fascinated by the street in Tankerton. It's a strip, for those that don't know that aren't from this area, it's a, a strip of raised sandbank that allows you at low tide to walk out a couple of hundred metres and be surrounded by sea. And for the first couple of weeks of living around here, most days I would go down and walk along the street and I'd take a selfie at the end of the street and send it to my family or send it to Emma, who was still in London, uh, looking back at this beautiful backdrop. And when I think about it, Taking a selfie with a beautiful view in the background is slightly odd. Because all I'm doing is blocking the view with my face. My family didn't want to see my face. They know what I look like. Emma certainly didn't want to see my face. And what they wanted to see was the view. What they wanted to see was what was behind me. They wanted me to get out of the picture. 
They wanted to see the fullness of the beauty that was surrounding me. And sometimes growing fruit is often a little bit like that. We factor in our efforts, we factor in ourselves so much into the equation that we block the view. We get in the way of God showing us the transformational beauty of the Holy Spirit. That all we really need to do is to truly abide in him. To step away from the mirror and to step into the majesty. The fruit in our lives grow organically as we abide in and lean into intimacy with the spirit. So there is something active. There is something important that we can and must do if we want to truly grow in reflecting Jesus. True fruit comes when we lean into intimacy with the spirit. And God has gone to great lengths to be close to us. He lived amongst us, died for us and left his spirit to continue with us. But God's goal is not for us to get into his presence in a place like this, to step into a place of his presence. His goal is for his presence to get into us, to shape and to change us through our daily lives. And that is why in the New Testament, we read about the Holy Spirit coming and living amongst us, that his postcode is in us. The Holy Spirit is God's plan for transformation in and through our lives. The change comes from the presence that lives with us and transforms us. So the fruits are an overflow of intimacy and communion with the Spirit. If you hear one thing this morning, it's that. The fruits, I don't know why I said that plural. The fruit is an overflow of intimacy and communion with the spirit. The fruit that you produce will reflect the amount of intimacy and communion that you have with God. That's what Jesus is saying in John 15. And that's what Galatians 5 tells us. The fruit that you produce will reflect the intimacy and communion that you have with God. So we should be investing heavily in our intimacy with God through the Spirit. Asking ourselves important questions like, what would it look like for me to make a greater investment in intimacy with the spirit. And my suggestion is that there's regular and spontaneous moments in our everyday lives where we are spending time in communion with God, 
whatever that looks like for you, whatever that looks like, regular and spontaneous times in communion with God. You've probably noticed that over the last few months, um, this is going to be a little bit ironic looking at the time, but over the last few months, we've made an effort to try to finish our sermons by 11.45. It's 11.45 now and I'm not quite done. Um, (laughs) To try to finish our sermons by 11.45, to leave ourselves a chunk of time to just reflect and tune into the presence of God. We haven't done this by accident. We've done this because we believe it's an important practice that we should have in our lives regularly, both as a church and as individuals. So what does that look like personally for me? Well, you may have heard me say this before, but over the last six months or so, I've tried to lean into communion with God by focusing my morning dog walks on him. So I, as I go out my house, I always start by stilling myself, focusing on creation and picking on one or two things that I see around me to just thank God for and to just reflect on the beauty of, to reflect on the beauty of the creation around me. So I start by doing this. I thank God for his wonder and his power that is seen in and through it. And then sometimes, if I'm feeling up to it, I will listen to Lectio 365, which sometimes I like and sometimes I hate. But using this, I tune into the presence of God. I practice communion with him. And I reflect on my challenges, the challenges of the day, the challenges of the day before, with and alongside God. So that's my regular But then spontaneous, what does it look like to have spontaneous communion with God? To bring my frustration to him, to bring my joy to him, to bring my sadness to him throughout the day, to bring those things to God, to really live out that God is a friend, that God cares. As we lean into intimacy with God, as we learn to recognise the presence of God in our lives, as we choose to invite the spirit to have a greater impact in our lives, that is when we will begin to be transformed by him. It's said, isn't it, that the people around us shape us. If you spend your time with negative people, you may find yourself naturally negative about things. The more time you spend with them, the more you will catch their vibe and their characteristics. And it's no different with the Holy Spirit. The more time we spend in communion with him, the more we will be impacted by him. The Holy Spirit is a person to know. A person to let in. A person to go deeper in communion with with. We know, don't we, that the shortcoming of a series like this is it can be slightly like stalking someone on social media. 
You may find out about them. You may find out what they do. But you won't really know them until you spend time with them. Fruit grows as we have intimacy with the Spirit. And then Galatians 5 says, we walk by the Spirit and we keep in step with the Spirit. Like dancing with a partner, we follow the lead of the Spirit. We still need to choose to follow We still need to choose to have that intimacy with him. But we are led in our dance moves. Our feet follow his. Without following, we are guessing the dance moves. We're trying to take the lead to a dance that we do not know. But if we can allow ourselves not to take the lead, but instead to lean into, to have intimacy with and to stay close to him. We will let him lead in the dance. And as we let the spirit lead, as we let the spirit work, we will be transformed and we will show this fruit, the fruit of having Jesus in us through the person of the spirit. We're going to spend a little bit of time just allowing God to move in this place, reflecting. Maybe you might want to reflect on what does that look like for you? What does it look like to have intimacy with the spirit? Where is your regular and spontaneous places and times to really lean into God's presence? If the worship band would like to come up, that would be great. If you're able, why don't you stand? Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.org.